you guys understand how what lucky we are to have Kyle, right? Yeah. Thank you for that, Kyle. That was fantastic. That song's called Miracle Power. I encourage you to, to sit in it this week. We are transitioning into a new sermon series called The Wisdom of Life. For the next few weeks, we will be looking into the lives of characters in Scripture. Some of them you may have heard of. Some of them you may not know that well. Today, we're looking at the life of Ruth. Next week, we're going to look at Joab. And the week after that, we're going to look at Jonathan. And through each of these stories, I pray that we learn more about God and we learn more about the way that God wants to work in our lives. Now, each week, we are going to be doing a sermon in a different way. If you were here at Christmas time, you have seen this, but we are going to be having narrative sermon series. So that means that instead of me telling you um, kind of like a I don't know, teaching you like a teacher. Today I'm going to be telling you a story in a narrative format um, from the point of view of a character. So today we're going to be learning Ruth's story, but the point of view we're going to be looking at is from King David. So I will be talking to you as though I am King David today. Um, and you'll get to see how that all works out in just a few minutes. But um, we are going to be um, getting to dig into the lives of characters in the book, which is one of my favorite things to do. I love looking at how God worked in the lives of others in Scripture. Today, the Scripture that is centering us is from Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 through 17. Here's what the Scripture tells us. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still a hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight, then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more better for you, it is more bitter for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. People ask me, King David, what is the hardest thing you've ever done? They ask me, King David, what is the biggest risk you have ever taken? I know that they expect me to say something like going out on a field with ill-fitting armor and, and fighting a Goliath. 
but that's not the biggest risk I've ever taken. They may expect me to say simply being king, but that's not the biggest risk I've ever taken. They may think it has to do with the times where I go out on the field with my men in battle, risking my life for the lives of others, but still, that is not the biggest risk I have ever taken. No, when I think about the biggest risks I take, those always, without question, have to do with faith. You see, when I have to take a big risk, it doesn't mean me putting my body in danger. When I have to take a risk, it usually means that I'm waiting on God. It usually means that I'm struggling to figure out why my life is so hard, and I don't see God in the midst of the process. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But there have been so many times in my life where I have felt as if God has left me. And I am called a man after God's own heart, yet still, I struggle. There have been so many times when every facet of my life is undiscernible. Where my family is upside down, where the kingdom is struggling, and where me personally I am struggling. And in those moments is where I find myself making the biggest sacrifice, taking the biggest risk. And it's the risk of trusting a God I can't see, a God I cannot feel, and a God who I truly believe is working for my best even though I don't feel it. And sometimes when I struggle in those moments, all I have to do to bring me back to a place of faith is to remember that I'm here in the first place because I shouldn't be here. Not only should I not be king because I'm a nobody, but I literally should not be alive today because the way that I came about, it seems impossible. You see, my whole life, I've been hearing about my parentage. I've been hearing about the lineage of people that brought our family to where we were and then brought me to where I am. And when I think about my great-grandmother, a woman named Ruth, everything in my life comes back into center. Because that woman a nobody from a nowhere place, an exile from a a land of nobodies. She experienced and lived out faith in a way that I can't even begin to describe. When I think about her life and the fact that she had no idea that one day her great-grandson was going to be the king of the Jewish people, yet still... She remained faithful to God. I remember, I remember how to love a God I cannot see. I remember how to be faithful to a God I cannot feel. So I want to tell you her story, and I want to tell you how her story leads to my story. And I want to tell you why her story means everything to my faith. You see, Ruth was a woman who lived in Moabite. She was a Moabite woman who lived in Moab. And Moab was a town that was built on nothing but brokenness and evil. You see, we believe that the Moabites are descended of a man named Lot, who was Abraham's cousin. 
And you would think that that would be a good thing, right? To be Abraham's cousin. I mean, most of us have heard of Abraham and his faith. And his cousin Lot was part of his life and part of his journey. But the Moabites themselves, that people, that land, that group, are not descended of a beautiful relationship between a man and a wife. No, they're descendants of Lot and his relationship with his daughter. Can you imagine being a descendant of incest? Can you imagine being a descendant, being known for a broken relationship between a father and a daughter, between abuse between a father and a daughter? You see, the Moabites, they never had a chance. For all of existence, they have been known as a cursed people. They have been known as an evil people. They have been known as a people that are less than the rest of us because of what they come from. But God is good, and God never forgets anybody. You see, Naomi, my great-great-grandmother, she lived in Bethlehem. And her and her husband Elimelech were struggling because for the first time, Bethlehem had a famine. There was no food for anyone. And so they decided to pick up and take their two sons to Moab. Which is funny if you think about it, because who wants to go to Moab? Who would think that Moab is the place where you would find fertility, where you would find goodness? But they did. They became exiles in a land around people who didn't know God, didn't understand God, didn't believe in God, didn't follow God. And in this land, they found food. Not only did they find food, they built a life there for themselves and their sons. And then their sons married two Moabite women. I can't imagine how that went down. Can't imagine that that was their plan. But I wonder if that was the only option that they had. The women were named Ruth and Orpah. Ruth and Orpah. Moabite women married to Jewish men, Moabite women married to people from Bethlehem, Moabite women who really had no chance for their future get some hope in marrying men who had a good lineage. Yet shortly after their marriage, Elimelech dies. Shortly after he dies, the women struggle getting pregnant. They can't get pregnant. Here are these two fertile women in the most fertile times of their lives struggling to get pregnant. And they can't. And before they're able to conceive children, before they're able to bear children, both husbands die. So Naomi finds herself in exile in a foreign land with foreign daughters-in-law, with no husband and no sons. The women that married these sons have left their homes, have left their families, and now they have no husbands no security, no path forward. Now, in our world, there is nothing more vulnerable, there is nothing more difficult than being a widow, except for a widow who has no children. See, a widow has no way of knowing where her food is going to come from. A widow has no way of knowing where security is going to come from. Unless she has a child, if she has a child, then she can count on that child growing up, especially a son, and providing for her, making sure she's okay. But these three women were rudderless. 
My ancestors, the people who I come from, literally had nothing. God had turned their lives upside down, or they had found themselves in the middle of a world that was upside down, and God was just simply with them. But regardless, they were struggling. Naomi told both of her daughters-in-law to go back to their homes, go back to their parents where they could be taken from, and Naomi was going to go back to Bethlehem, the only place she knew, the only place where she wasn't in exile, the only place where she had a hope of being connected to family. Orpah, well, Orpah decided to stay. But my great-grandmother Ruth, my great-grandmother Ruth showed a moment of faith that I still don't understand today. We talk about Abraham and how amazing Abraham's faith was. Scripture tells us, on all of the words that I hear from my ancestors, they tell me that Abraham's righteousness was something that we need to follow after. Abraham was asked to leave his town, to leave his people, to leave everything he knew to go to a foreign land. But you know what Abraham had? Abraham had a promise. God had promised Abraham if he left, then he would be blessed. That if he left, there would be blessing on the other side. But Ruth, this beautiful woman, she chose to leave everything that she knew to leave her land, to become an exile, to not know what was coming next in order to follow a God she never grew up knowing. And without a promise from God that everything was going to be okay. Now, if we don't look at Ruth as one of the biggest patriarchs of our faith, I don't know why, because we look at Abraham and we say, oh, what a great man, but he had a promise. And through that promise, he followed God. And we shouldn't discount it, but still, he knew that there was goodness on the other side. We look at Ruth, and I, I look at her life. She had nothing. She had no promise. All she had was the comfort of the area that she was in. But she saw something in Naomi and Naomi's faith. I always wonder what it was. What did she see in Naomi's life that made her experience God in such a way that she was willing to give up everything to follow her and to follow God. What was it? What was it that Naomi did? How did Naomi live that expressed her faith, that expressed the goodness of God? I don't know. But there must have been something. There must have been something. Because Ruth decided in a moment to follow Naomi to become one of her people, and to follow the God of the universe without a promise. When I'm struggling, I think about that moment in Ruth's life. When I'm struggling to see God working in my life, when I'm struggling to get through all of the difficult times in my life, I think about my great-grandmother and the choice she made in that moment. The choice to believe when everything was telling her around her, there's no reason to believe. The choice to trust, even though there was nothing in her life up to this moment that should lead to that trust. Her husband had died. Her, 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 her husband-in-law, brother-in-law, there we go, had died. Her father-in-law had died. 
Anyone else looking from the outside would have said God had forgotten them. Anyone else looking from the outside would have said that they were dishonored. Anyone from the outside would say, God doesn't love them. God's not with them. But she chose in that moment to trust, to believe, and to follow. She chose to wait on the goodness of a God that she knew, even though she couldn't see. And so she followed Naomi back to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, she risked everything to try and get connected with a man who would provide, not only for her, but for Naomi. She risked constantly. Every time she did something, she was taking a risk in faith. And God blessed that risk. In her lifetime, what she saw was that she was able to marry a man named Boaz. That Boaz saw her, that Boaz favored her when he shouldn't, that Boaz noticed her when he should have disdained her. So she got to see the goodness of God in her lifetime. What she didn't get to see was what the goodness of God led to through her faithfulness. She didn't know that their son Perez would have a son named Obed, who would have a son named Jesse, who would have a son named David, who would be the king of God's people. She didn't know that. God didn't promise her that. But in the moment when things were most difficult, she decided to have faith. She took the risk of believing in God, even when everything around her said that that wasn't a smart risk. And I'm here today because of the choices she made. I'm here today because of her faith. I'm here today because of the way she lived her life for a foreign God. A God she didn't grow up believing in like I did. A God she didn't grow up knowing. She took the greatest risk. And God blessed her. When I look at the movement of God through my family, I wonder, when I risk for the sake of faith, how many generations am I impacting? I wonder if I take the chance of taking a risk and believing God in this moment, what am I not going to see before I die? What good things are going to come from this decision to believe from my children, from my children's children, from their children. The journey for us has not been easy. The journey for all of my parents, for my grandparents, my great-grandparents, was not perfect. We all struggled. We were all human. But I'm here today. I'm here today because of the faith of a woman named Ruth who believed enough in a God she didn't know to follow him to believe that God would provide, and to believe that God had a hand in her life. And what I see looking at that is that God had chosen her a nobody to be a somebody in the lives of others. So when I feel like I can't do this work, I see 
that God can work through nobodies. I see that God takes the life of those who are broken and redeems them. And I see that even though sometimes we cannot see the hand of God at work in our lives, if we risk faith, if we risk believing, if we risk waiting on a God that we cannot see, then we will be blessed and that we will be a blessing to others. So today, as I share my story with you, I ask you to question where it is that you are missing God in your life. I ask you to question where it is that you are struggling or where it is your loved ones are struggling or where it is that you are missing the presence of God. And I ask you to take the risk that Ruth took, the risk of faith. Because not only where there'll be blessing in your life, but the blessing will flow down from you to the next generation. I can't wait to be in heaven one day and to see what it is that my life and my faith will impact. But waiting is hard. I know it's hard. But if Ruth shows us anything, it's that faith is worth the wait. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for the faith of those who have come before us. I thank you for working through imperfect, highly scared, highly uncertain humans to bring about a future that you have planned not only for us and for our families, but for this entire world. God, I pray that you give us the courage that we need to live into our faith, to risk leaving behind things that bring us comfort in order to receive the things that you have for us. God, help us when we are struggling. Holy Spirit, bring us the faith that we so desperately need. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.